2: Hey Tommy, it's going to be a fun episode because today we're talking about the surprisingly great cars that we've driven. Uh, And we've got a list of cars that,
0: well, are surprising. These are cars that you may not initially think are all that cool or all that special, but after living with them, we've come to discover that they're really, really incredible. But before we get into that, let us introduce you to Dirt Legal. Dirt Legal helps owners of dirt bikes, ATVs, and UTVs acquire a state-issued street legal license plate that allows these off-roaders to be driven on the street. So no more need to waste time loading up your truck or trailer, driving it to the trailhead and then unloading it, you simply can ride or drive straight to the trail. So here's how it works, send Dirt Legal your bike or UTVs information, Dirt Legal then handles the paperwork with a DMV, all for a few hundred bucks. At the end of the process you receive a new title, a street legal license plate, and updated title in the mail. Simple, right? To learn more about Dirt Legal and how they can make your off-roading rig street legal, go to dirtlegal.com, that is dirtlegal.com. All right, Tommy, so sometimes manufacturers, uh, either by design or by
2: accident, uh, put some magic in a vehicle, right? They make it a little bit more fun, they make it a little bit more Interesting. Uh, And luckily, you know, over the last 10 years, we've driven every new car and truck. And we're going to be talking about trucks. Sorry, Andre, because some of these are also trucks uh, in America. Uh, And there are vehicles that when we get them for a week, we hate to see them go. Well, you say every new car and truck, but I haven't seen a Bugatti Chiron in our driveway recently. (laughs) All right, Bugatti, are you listening? We haven't driven a Bugatti (laughs) Chiron. Uh, There's a bunch of
0: Ferraris that we're missing as well. You know, I don't think we've ever tested a Ferrari in the... 11 no. years we've been doing this. It seems like Colorado is not the primary market for Ferraris.
2: Yes, uh, and uh, neither. Well, we have. We, we, we did a deal with the dealership, but we went
0: to the Ferrari dealership. Although McLaren has sent us a few vehicles. That was pretty cool. And Bentley. Yeah, uh, but we're not here to talk about Bentleys and McLarens. We're here to talk about normal folk vehicles, because that's what gets us excited. And the first one is a well it's an interesting little crossover yes yeah, so uh,
2: as you guys know we recently well six months ago purchased a bronco uh, because obviously that was the vehicle that got all of the limelight that was the one that uh, was the out of the box hit for ford uh, but uh, before the bronco there was a bronco sport which uh, people kind of poo-pooed because it wasn't a bronco <laughs> but yet tommy the car is exceptionally good dare i say it's surprisingly great.
0: I think Ford confused a lot of non-car people by launching the Sport first, because then everyone was like, oh, look, I got my Bronco, and they park it next to a Wrangler, and then the Wrangler people laugh at them, and it's like a <laughs> it's a whole circle of, of hate. But the Bronco Sport, which is based on the Escape architecture, which is also what is underneath the Maverick, right, is a unibody independent suspension vehicle. It doesn't look like a huge performer on paper, but in the real world, This little box on wheels is great value and a lot of fun off-road. Dare I say, Tommy, that it is one of the best-in-its-class
2: off-roaders. We were expecting it because it's based on an Escape, right, just to be kind of a rebranded Escape where they take a different top and put it on a vehicle that, let's face it, doesn't have any real off-road cred. Uh, But surprisingly, uh, it does. It actually has off-road modes, and those
0: modes actually do things, and those things are actually good. It also has actual off-road hardware, like you can get it with, Uh, factory mounted recovery points and skid plates. And it's got this trick rear differential in some of them where it's got twin clutches to distribute the power. And it's really, really an impressive little ute. So it's also a good design. Do you like the design of it? You know,
2: I think so. I I love the design of it. I think, you know, with the Bronco, they nailed that uh, retro, uh, let's say, uh, balance between modern and retro just right. And uh, they took a little bit of that magic and sprinkled it onto the Bronco Sport so that it also looks both modern and classic at the same time. Plus, Tommy, what's great about it is it's a box and there's a surprising amount of room inside of it for what is really
0: a compact crossover, right? it's, It's not a big car. The rear portion of the vehicle, though, I'm going to say it. It is straight out of the Lander or Freelander. Do you remember the Freelander? <laughs> yeah, I remember the Freelander, It yeah. was like this yeah. late 90s, early 2000s small SUV they did. But if you look at like the C pillar, the way it slopes forward, if you looked at the stepped up roof line and the box proportions, I see so much Freelander in this vehicle. The good news about the Bronco Sport though is that the transmission won't grenade after 300 miles like the Freelanders did, but um, I like the design a lot. You can get it in a bunch of different trims. You can get it pretty affordable if you don't want the off-road goodies. You can get it with uh, a little engine, a bigger engine. with turbocharging and it's just a great little all-rounder yeah you know i i
2: i i would say that um, it follows in the footsteps of a vehicle that was near and dear at least to my heart which i tested when we first started tfl which is a suzuki sx4 right that, well, that kind of well hold on before you <laughs> get all like Whoa.
0: sx4 yeah
2: well, that vehicle little kind little of, jelly bean kind of led the way for <laughs> an off-roady compact crossover right it had a locking center diff it was actually, you know.
0: It, it had OK. A fake lock. It was
2: not a real OK. But, but back then, there were no real, like, it was before the Renegade. It was before yeah. all these small uh, compact crossovers became, like, the thing to buy. Uh, and Suzuki was ahead of the curve, unfortunately, probably a little bit too far ahead of the curve. But that car also had this interesting use mix of, like, utility, sportiness, and off-road ability.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of a pencil sharpener, it was, uh, you know, I still a, love a little car. weenie. I, love, I, I do. I
2: okay, love the okay. SX-4. I, I, I'll give you this. Look, the Kazashi, uh, you know, Suzuki's uh, jet-up fighter was not a good idea, but the SX-4 was. And I think if you look at a Suzuki, like the Jimny, right, the other vehicles that they build around the world, they do have good off-road abilities. Uh, and the, the I, I still, you know, I'm going to say it, the SX-4 led the way for the Bronco
0: Sport. I will give you the SX4 was brilliant. It was okay off road, like for what it was. It was pretty fun, and you can upgrade them, lift them, and make them pretty pretty special. The Bronco Sport, though, is much better out of the box. Uh, I want to go back to something you said the Suzuki Kazashi. Yes. Remember, in a previous episode, you said it meant mighty wind. It was <laughs> You mean mighty were pretty far off on that I went, one. I was way off on that. It I means a sign that. of things to come. I Googled it after the show. Yeah, a sign of things to come. It like did not the, mean <laughs> a mighty wind. <laughs> it was a sign
2: of fact that Suzuki pulled out of the market. <laughs> where, did you,
0: where did you get mighty I, wind? I don't
2: know. Horse and rider is one. All these Japanese terms are so esoteric. It's easy to get them mixed up.
0: Although, do you remember they did... Oh, man, what was that thing called? What was the the Grand Vitara? Yeah, what about the Grand So the Vitara? Grand Vitara was kind of like a RAV4 competitor. Yeah. And it was pretty cheap on the inside. And it, I don't know. which just never really in the US had a lot of market penetration. But did you know that vehicle you could get with a low range? It was like the yes. one of the only yes, in its I owned class. One.
2: It was called the Sidekick in America. Well, There's a Grand Vitara in Europe. It was a Sidekick here. And I owned one. You're, show, you're,
0: you're showing your age there, a little I mean, dad. The Sidekick it. has been out of the market for quite a I number of decades. I bought it here
2: and I imported it to Europe and I drove it around Europe and it was a really fun little car. Sidekick. It had, had, you know, it was like it had that magic that um, hopefully these new vehicles also have in that it was utilitarian, like I said, and off-roady and fun to drive.
0: And I suppose that Seal is a recent popular artist as well, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wasn't he married to Heidi Klum? <laughs> really I have down no a, idea. Down a rat hole. I'm just saying, the sidekick is a little... It is a good car,
2: but it's it's not recent history. All right, well, let's go back to cars that people can buy today where they don't have to scour Facebook Marketplace <laughs> or Craigslist for one that's got less than 300,000 miles. All right, uh, the next one is also... In, I'll just stay in this kind of vein, right? Off-roady but utilitarian. Uh, uh, and here's the thing, all right. Uh, oftentimes... Uh, and I was listening to the Consumer Reports podcast, and they were right about this. Oftentimes, and I'll give you the example they use. They said that you're better off to buy a highly contented, in other words, more expensive version of like uh, uh, a mid, mid uh, not luxury or near luxury car, but what do you call the cars that are kind of like Toyotas? Like what a are, mid-tier? Yeah, a mid-tier car. So you're better off, in this case, the example they use is to buy a Golf R versus an Audi A3. Hmm. Because when you get to near luxury, what ends up happening is that oftentimes the manufacturers will um, uh, decontent the vehicle and use cheaper plastics, right? So if you compare like a Golf R to an A3 or an S3, uh, they're very similarly priced. And yet with the Golf R, you're going to get a lot more features, probably better materials. What you are, of course, losing is that kind of luxury brand image. So this car... Falls into that category. What I'm talking about is the Mercedes-Benz uh, GLB.
0: Well, that's a little confusing. So you said you agree with it's a near with, luxury. It's a near yeah, luxury. You, can, you agree with Consumer Reports, but you recommend a near luxury Mercedes. Yeah, because the GLB <laughs> has. It's not always
2: black and white. The GLB has this magic to it, where once again they've taken a car, they've made it very boxy and very utilitarian. It's. I think the smallest car. Potentially with a third row, you can get it with a third row, Ooh, that's which is crazy. Point. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, obviously the third it's row more is, of a second and a half row is is for people without legs, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's not a big, that's not a big demographic. But for little kids, it works. Uh, it you know has um, the interior quality that you'd expect from a Mercedes. So it isn't as deep content as, say, the GLA. Uh, And uh, it's surprisingly practical. And actually, if it wasn't for the darn uh, dual clutch transmission, it would be good off-road.
0: Now, the first gen of kind of the small Mercedes entry-level crossover, right? Um, I guess you could argue the GLK was kind of the first, the really square one. Right. I like that one. And then they went to the GLA, and the first gen GLA, GLA, it just wasn't very good. I mean, it was really poorly assembled. It was uh, uh, co-developed with Infinity, right? They had that uh, that shared platform. And it just didn't feel premium. It didn't drive premium. The ride was too firm. It wasn't very spacious. Now, when they launched the GLB, which was a new vehicle, I agree with you completely. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. We had one at the office recently. You can hold so much stuff in it. It's pretty fun to drive. It kind of looks like a baby G-Wagon. But keep in mind, the new GLA, is essentially a GLB with with a more sloping rear end. Would you get the GLA or the GLB? No,
2: GLB. The GLA doesn't have the magic. my uh, <laughs> God! It's the same car. Speaking of which, the <laughs> GLK, uh, I think, was also a very good car, but it got kind of smeared with that mommy, mommy mobile kind of uh, reputation. And so it, it wasn't, uh, you know kind of tough and uh, butch and off-roady whereas I think the GLB is is more in line with that uh, and I think that's why I like it a lot. I just like the the utility of it. I like the way it looks. I like the way it drives. It's just a really good um, it's just a really good car Uh, and I don't know if Mercedes stumbled into it or if they engineered it to be as uh, fun to drive as it is but
0: it is. But a GLA is not no, no. It's the same car. It no. just has a different butt. That's, that. That you know. That, <laughs> Are like you saying a, the butt makes a car? Is yeah. That well, it's like,
2: you know what? <laughs> I'll give you another example of the butt making the car. The X3, you know, is a very, very good uh, kind of, you know, luxury commuter slash uh, utility, you know, vehicle. Whereas the,
0: the X4 isn't. So do you prefer... Kim Kardashian to Kylie Kardashian, then? Is there a... I have no opinion <laughs> on that. Does that I, throw down, I throw the Kardashian, <laughs>
2: if I'm being honest, Tommy. Uh, but you, you are, see what I'm saying? I mean, no, okay, right, let's be serious for a second. When The thing about a, a crossover or a SUV is the U, right? The sports utility and, or sports activity vehicle. If it's a BMW. And the second you chop that top or you make it into a coupe-like vehicle... Uh, you take all the utility out of it, and all of a sudden, it becomes a car for, like, empty nesters. And I think, you know, the best example of that, of course, is the ZDX, right? Which, Fantastic car. Which, which, which I love, but completely flopped. <laughs> uh, and the Honda uh, cross tour, same problem, right? And so, to me, it's like, if you're going to go for the utility vehicle, get the sloping. Don't get the sloping back, but actually get the vehicle that you can throw your stuff into, your dog into, without having to give him a, a you know, a squished... Haircut every time he's back there or she's back there
0: now the commenters are going to be amazed because I agree with you completely <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I do the only car that needs to exist is the first generation Scion XP best vehicle <laughs> ever made It was small on the outside. It has an enormous amount of space on the inside. It was quirky. It was funky and Yep, that's the only car that ever needs to be built. Well, yeah, maybe maybe this is my time for Roman's rant
2: already Whoa, well, yeah, well, let's get to it early uh, I, I'm really um, I'm I'm really not thrilled by how all the manufacturers are trying to explore every possible niche. And there are certain niches, there are certain places you should never go. I'll give you an example. You know, in Europe, uh, they're called coupes, right? And the cool thing about a coupé is that it's a two-door vehicle that says that you've got enough money that you don't need a practical four-door vehicle or a crossover so that you can splurge your time and energy into something that is unpractical because that is the kind of person you are. That's how you roll. And the second you add a four-door variant into what should be a two-door, you take the magic out of the two-door. So not only do you wreck the two-door, but then you create a four-door coupe, which is impossible to get in and out of the back seat. Um, incredibly silly-looking, in my opinion, uh, and takes the magic out of the four-door and the two-door. Uh, and what you have left is a segment that has been completely decimated by you know people trying to create like weird versions of cars that should never exist.
0: I think that's a kind of a funny thing, though, because um, I do agree. I think that the 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 what is it the four-door version of the two-door version of the four-door car doesn't make a lot of sense. However, I, one of the early Entrance into that class was the first gen Audi A7. Do you remember the A7? And I just thought that was such a good looking car. It was incredible. Yeah, I don't it was think it, four I, door. I, I, I agree
2: sleek. with you, but it, it
0: hasn't exactly aged well. Oh, it's aged beautifully. I don't, I don't All think of so. those I
2: like look at those old A7s, and I loved it at the time because it reminded me of a, like a big version of the RX7 I had. Uh, but now I look upon it and I think it's kind of uh, ugly duckling.
0: My opinion is that all those early 2010s Audis
2: are just stunning now. I think Um, from the front, the A7 is beautiful, uh, but from the back, I'm not sure. I
0: think they've all aged well. Like ever since Audi introduced the uh, first generation r eight, like in the late 2000s, Um, All of those cars, the A5 of that era, the A7, the R8 especially, I think they've aged beautifully, and they're cheap now. You can get them for really affordably. They're fairly reliable for what they are, and I just love them. I think that they're great values, and the new ones... I mean, if you look at the new ones, a brand new A7 is not that different from an A7 from seven, eight years ago. Uh, sure, the LEDs have gotten a little bit more refined, but the overall shape, the proportions are pretty similar. All right, let me give you another example in my rant of cars. Once upon
2: a time, there was a thing called a hot hatch. Remember the hot hatches? Yep. Uh, these were, these were you know... It still exists. Th- yeah, th- these were things like the Golf R, the WRX, and that'll be interesting because it has changed the STI. I'm talking about the classic ones, right? Uh, the uh, Focus RS, and then for some reason, the manufacturers decided that hot hatches should be either not hatchy or have a trunk, like when the STI, you know, got rid of the hatch and went to a trunk. Why, right? I mean, the, the magic once again in the yeah. hot hatch was that, that you was had a vehicle stupid. that you could go on the weekends and and bomb around and show off to your friends, and then on the weekdays, if you wanted to move a refrigerator, you could put it into the back of this thing, right, and use it as a practical car. And then when they put a trunk on it, and like with the case of Subaru, made it only available with a trunk, I was like, why, this is stupid. All of a sudden you've got this really cool concept that now has become like you know, a sedan on steroids.
0: Would you prefer what Ford did, where they got rid of the Fiesta ST, the Focus ST, the Focus RS, and then did the Edge ST, the Explorer ST? No, that's even worse. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I'm talking about the, the the form factor, not the you know, not the class of vehicle that they turned into. So I'm talking about taking a hot hatch and making it into either a fake hatch, right? Because some of them are fake, right? Where it looks like it's a it's a it's a sedan, but then the whole thing opens up, right? It actually has a hatch, but it's not a, it's not a horizontal. It's not a vertical hatch. It's more of a horizontal hatch. And Honda Civic does the same thing.
0: Well, what about like the um, Golf GTI? Still a hatchback?
2: Finally, yes. That's right? what, yeah, I love the Golf GTI and I love the Golf R. I think those are two that have actually stuck with that formula.
0: Veloster N, still a hatchback?
2: Still a hatchback, yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean... But it, imagine
2: like a Veloster N with a, you know, with a trunk. It would be weird. They make it. It's called the Elantra N. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. It's a different name. It's <laughs> lovely. They, they, no, it's not like the STI that got a
0: trunk. and used to be a hatch. Yeah, but they—I mean—they've been doing that for look like the the Jetta GLI is essentially a right, a sedan. It's a, it's a, but it's
2: a different car. It, it they, they they gave it a different
0: name. I, I'm struggling to think of another example other than the WRX. Can you give yeah, me the another? Honda Civic did the same thing? Well, you can still get a Honda Civic hatch. Uh, it's still a hatchback, you can still get you, a hatch.
2: It's, it's weird, the, 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 it changes based on...
0: I think if you want a hatch fast one, you have to get the Type R, and right. then if you want the... Um, right. you gotta, you but got it's got, still a hatchback, but I mean, you gotta it's gotta still get, a You,
2: gotta, you, you can get the S versus the Type R, it, it's not as simple. Anyway, uh, that's another one that that I think, you know, has become... And then the other thing that's happened is, of course, when we're going back to, like, the X4M or the X6M, right, now, now the... Um, hatch versions of the crossovers have become kind of the hot vehicles right oh yeah right so but look at porsche right porsche doesn't really do like an x4 they do a macan which is more of a traditional uh crossover or they do a cayenne which is more of a traditional right they don't do that weird cut off the back and get rid of the utility they do now what's what they do a cayenne coupe do they do a kind of coupe? That's yeah. right, they do. Yeah. 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 So
0: Porsche does it too. Yeah. I think Damn Germans. I, I am on the exact same page about the um, the coupe SUVs. I just I don't think they ever made a lot of sense. Like you said, the ZDX didn't make sense, the X6 when it launched didn't make sense. But people buy a lot of them. Um, and they're still out there. I mean, Mercedes does the GLE Coupes, right? They've got all the, the Coupe versions of it. In my opinion, I'd always get the standard square-back version, save some money because they're typically cheaper, and then enjoy the extra cargo room. So what about convertible SUVs? I love convertible SUVs, <laughs> actually. Why? they're so weird and unique. <laughs>
2: oh, geez. There's only, what, two? In America, yeah. What there's only, well, the, the Murano Cross, which is gone, right? Well, there's a lot more than two, actually. And then there's the uh, Range Rover Evoque
0: what, of Oak. Re- like the Wrangler, the Bronco. I'm talking about like... <laughs> Those that. are convertible SUVs, too. Right, but you know what I mean. Those That's
2: a whole different... I mean, a Jeep is a Jeep, right? It's not a... It, it, well, then, there's no, a Jeep it, older, Tommy. You, is, is a probably, Bronco
0: a Jeep, too, then? <laughs> I'm
2: saying as a Jeep owner, as a Wrangler owner, you don't like it being called a car and you certainly don't like being called a truck. So a Jeep is kind of a Jeep. It's, it's, the name goes back so far that, in fact, it's become like Kleenex. A lot of, I just got an email from somebody uh, who said that they wanted to buy a Jeep and they gave me a list of somebody from Pakistan and they gave us a list of cars that they considered Jeeps. And none of them were Jeeps.
0: In other parts of the world, it's pretty cool. Like you said, the word Jeep is like Kleenex. It's yeah. just a four-wheel drive. Yeah. So based on that, then, is a Bronco a Bronco?
2: A Bronco, no, just a Bronco is a Bronco because it, the, the brand hasn't had that same um, longevity Ooh. in history. Here, we've got
0: some fighting words coming well, in. When
2: it was a Bronco first built. It was built in the 60s. The Jeep goes back to, you know,
0: pre-World War <laughs> II. It's 1941. Yeah. It's not like it was... Right. 1832 it's it's, it's, 20, it's, years a, no, it's, a, it's 20 years before the bronco it's
2: of 20 years before the bronco
0: it is 20 years yeah. before
2: yeah yeah but it, it, you know it's iconic it, it it fought the war the bronco didn't fight the war do you know ford built jeeps you know, if, any, if anything is, is iconic on the Ford brand, it would be the Mustang. That's much more iconic than the Bronco. Did you know that Ford built military? Yes, I know, World and they put they stamp Ford on the on their because they were you know they put they, they built jeeps and then they put Ford on the tailgate of the thing and and the army said knock it off and so Henry Ford is it Henry Ford at the time was he still around? He decided that to distinguish between the Willys and by the way it's Willys or Willis you can say it either way. Overland version of it, you can just, you know, he put Ford on the bulls. And now people who collect those old military World War II Jeeps want the Ford ones for some reason as opposed to the other ones.
0: In some ways, um, the, the Ford Bronco kept up with the times better than the Wrangler or the CJ, I should say, back in the era. You know. You're just being a contrarian. Type. No, let's, I just, let's, get, I, let's get back to our list. Come in on. In 1978, when they went to the big Bronco, they kept up with the Blazer, right? Let's get, and, let's get, let's get back to our list. And uh, Willie's in the AMC was still you, building this little thing. Do you have any cars that, that you want to
2: add to this? I've got some more, but we could Yes, I do.
0: Um, the, the most impressive vehicle I've driven recently, which was just phenomenal, Surprisingly was… Surprisingly great? Yeah. I mean, I thought it would be good, but yeah. it was exceptional, was the Hyundai Ionic 5. Oh, yeah.
2: I haven't uh, driven it. I've only seen it up close. I think, you know, we've said, we, it's funny, We got, once again, we got an email from somebody who said, stop comparing everything to Tesla. And I wrote back and I said, well, stop comparing everything to Tesla when you guys out there stop caring about, you know, any other electric car but Tesla, right? Because everybody only cares about Tesla. And they, I think they don't understand that, like, the Ionic 5 is, in a way, much better than a Tesla. And, um if the word Tesla isn't in a headline or isn't somehow associated with the story, people just yawn. Uh, And they shouldn't, because the Onyx 5, and recently Case got to drive the EV6, which is, of course, Kia's version of it, uh, phenomenal
0: cars, I agree. Yeah, yeah lovely. I think the Onyx Five. I just love the design of it. It yep. looks like a 1980s Lancia Delta Integrale. It's phenomenal to look at. It's got really fast charging, like 10 to 80 percent in 18 minutes. It's got a beautiful interior, super roomy. It's got like a nap mode when you're charging. It's just a lovely piece of it, design and engineering, and it's cheap for what it is. It starts in the low forty thousand dollar range, maybe even like thirty nine nine. And lovely, lovely, lovely
2: car. Yeah, I-, I was just listening to the Inside EVs podcast. Mm-hmm. Big shout out to those guys. Uh, really entertaining Martin uh, Kyle Uh, but Dominic I've got a bone to pick with you he told him the story that he went last weekend and checked out the ionic 5 at the local dealership Uh and they were asking 5k over sticker and he started making excuses like oh they got to make money and I'm (laughs) like dude oh oh wrong 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 thing to say you know Uh, if dealers are out there you know doing their dealer shenanigans uh, I, I have a I understand it's a free market but you know, we have posted so many uh, pictures and uh, stories about dealers just behaving badly at this moment in time. Uh, And, you know, there's nothing that gets me more riled up than uh, seeing, uh, you know, dealerships. uh, uh, And this is what he said they did, you know, doing like clear coat uh, and charging $5,000 for it, right? I mean, at least if you're going to do a market uh, adjustment. Just be bold about it. Don't don't like hide it in the fact that you're adding a sticker package to it. I remember when I was uh, a young lad, when your grandfather was buying cars, you go to a dealership and they would do rust proofing, Tommy, <laughs> yeah. and charge you 500 bucks for it. And nobody ever knew what rust proofing was or what it did, if it did anything, or they would get those like um, a pin uh, pinstripes that you could buy at your local auto parts store. Right, which you could buy at that time for like twelve bucks and put them on yourself. They would do those, and they would charge five hundred for them. So I, I really do not like when dealers pretend to add value when, in fact, all they're doing is making more money.
0: True that, but fantastic podcast. Yes, it's not a not Dominic's a great guy. We just I'm not. I'm trying not to call
2: him out, but <laughs> I guess I did. Sorry, Dominic. Um, I do. I do enjoy the way you open it up and how how you describe all of the different uh, people and what they do on the podcast.
0: I do love the Ionic Five, though. It, it was The best car I've driven all year. Uh, Phenomenal piece of design, too, inside and out, like little four dots. It's got these little cubes everywhere, these little squares, and that's kind of the design motive. And then you get to, like, the steering wheel, and there's these little four squares, and the four squares are the letter H in Morse code, which is just very clever and lovely piece of design and engineering. So that was one of my biggest surprises of the year, and, and a car I just... That was phenomenal. So big props to them. Um, I've got another one. We just had it at the office. We just drove it yesterday. It was the uh, the new Nissan Pathfinder.
2: Yeah, you know, I went into that thinking um, I was going to be really underwhelmed uh, because obviously Nissan has... Uh, Uh, had its ups and downs. I think that's fair to say with the Pathfinder, right? Obviously it started out as a body on frame then went to unibody, body on frame, unibody. So we were expecting body on frame for this fifth generation and it wasn't. Mm. Uh, So that was disappointing. But they did a couple things that uh, I think are really good. First of all, uh, the exterior design of it. And and guys, sorry, this podcast is a day late. And the reason for that is we were on vacation last week, Tommy and I. We really try to be consistent. uh, But uh, we just got so backed up that it took us a day longer to get to it. So I apologize but the reason I brought up the vacation is because there were a ton of rental car uh, pathfinders and every time I saw one I I just did a double take I I just looked at it and I thought wow finally that like that V design a floating roof uh, it all works in the pathfinder so they did that Uh, they finally swapped out the CVT which everybody's been complaining about in terms of its performance and reliability for uh, a traditional automatic uh, and they really upped the quality on the interior, uh, and it, it just seems to hit all of the right uh, notes, you know. So there's nothing like outstanding about it. There's nothing you could say like, "Wow, it's you know, it, it rocks off-road or it's super quick." Uh, but but everything is just really good about it.
0: Yeah, very solid, well-built SUV. Yeah, lots of good interior space, pretty good third row in it as well. It can tow up to six thousand pounds. So, yeah, I think they, they did a good job with it. The fourth gen was kind of a uh, – it was a little bit of a dud, in my opinion. The, the quality just wasn't there. It had that CVT. Well,
2: it developed a reputation of the Mall Finder instead of the pathfinder. Yeah,
0: and the new one, I think they could have gone a little bit more in the opposite direction, a little bit more off-roady, like they should have given it skid plates, maybe a, like an off-road tire group. Uh, recovery point would have been cool but it is a very solid well-built well-rounded suv so i was very surprised with that i thought that was uh, a nice nice find from nissan and then also from nissan this is the one that you pointed out but you like the new frontier i do before i get to that let me just do a plug we were uh, at Thumbleweed ranch yesterday
2: and we took the uh we took the uh, pathfinder off-road uh and so if you guys want to see how it does off-roady um, it's over at TFL Off-Road, or you can just go to tfl-studios.com where all of our videos live so that you can have one-place shopping, one-stop shopping. Uh, and then the other thing we did, Tommy, which was really fun, is we did uh, a tug-of-war, get this, an epic tug-of-war between all the trucks that we have. So in the end, we ended up Bronco versus TRX, Raptor versus TRX, Tundra versus Titan, just an epic, epic uh, series of tug of wars and we had a lot of fun uh, and got the car so incredibly muddy that i spent i think uh, 20 minutes uh, at the car wash yesterday just hosing off uh, the uh, the bronco and when i was there one of our uh, viewers i think his name was duncan uh came by said hi to me uh so i would love when you guys do that really uh, fun to meet you guys in person uh, and the cool thing about it is he's got a 1975 fj uh, that he's coming swapping with the 2.8. Oh, very cool. So he's gonna he's gonna bring it in for an episode of Dude, I love or hate my ride. Uh, so I can't wait to actually see that and maybe even get to drive it.
0: So how did the Nissan Pathfinder do in your tug of war? Uh, the Pathfinder wasn't in the tug okay. of war. It was all <laughs> trucks.
2: I think it would have done poorly compared to a TRX. I'm just guessing, but. <laughs> Probably not so well, uh, but th- that video is going to be up uh, TFL off this weekend, and it was just so much fun. Uh, you know, I'm, I've never had
0: more fun getting dirtier in my life. So the, the next vehicle I had on the list, as we mentioned, was the Nissan Frontier, which was recently redesigned. Um, ground up, which is a good thing because <laughs> it had been the same since about 2004. But the new Nissan Frontier is one of those trucks that is not all that incredible on paper. Like it doesn't excel in the towing or the horsepower wars or, or the price wars or whatever. But it's it's a very solid entry that's well designed and well thought out. Yeah,
2: and sorry, Andrea, we're kind of I know we're kind of uh, encroaching on TFL trucks, uh, talking truck <laughs> territory here, but I'm, I'm going to encroach some more. It kind of bookends uh, the other truck that I think is surprisingly really great, and that's the Rivian. Oh. Uh, so you've got two trucks that are basically kind of mid size The Rivian is, is weird. It's not quite full-size. It's not mid sized And you, on one end of the spectrum, you've got the new Frontier, which, once again, it's one of those vehicles, nothing fantastically outstanding about it, right? So it's not like... It doesn't have jets or, you know, it doesn't have uh, uh, four motors uh, per wheel, which the Rivian has, uh, but it's just a solid, well-designed, basic uh, pickup truck uh, that I think will serve its owners very well for a long time. And the other end of that spectrum or the other bookend of that is Rivian, uh, which I thought was surprisingly good uh, for just how technologically advanced and how uh, stunningly capable capable it is. And I think you said this, Tommy. You know, it's so impressive that a brand new company was able to create something that good out of the box.
0: Yeah, and it felt pretty well made for what it was. Like, it felt pretty sc- well screwed together. It was ridiculously fast. Um, It it, it out-accelerated our Ram 1500 long-term with the V8 towing 8,000 pounds up a mountain. So that was pretty amazing. But it's just a fantastic, I mean, mind-blowing vehicle. So the Frontier is not going to blow your mind, but it's going to be a solid, dependable, long-lived truck. The Rivian R1T is just there to just go, wow, look at that. And then I think right in the middle, and this is a a truck that is not much well-received online, but I think it's going to do very well, and that's the all-new Toyota Tundra, right? Yeah, surprise. Surprisingly, people hated it. (laughs) People are really not into the Tundra online and in the comment sections. Yeah, everybody like,
2: you know, everybody like, oh, it's horribly ugly. Uh, It doesn't have, you know, the latest and greatest features. Uh, But yet, you know, we have one and uh, it's done everything we've asked of it. Sure, there are issues with it. Like, you know, there are issues with every full size truck. Uh, I just did a little bit of trail damage to it. Unfortunately, I got hooked up on a route and pulled the little plasticky bits off the back and I started wondering why is there plasticky bits on the back Uh, instead of of the metal
0: bits, but uh, in general, uh, the truck is solid. The thing you don't understand about, so people are a little upset because it doesn't necessarily move the needle for the full-size truck industry, right? Like, it's not the fastest full-size truck. It doesn't have the highest payload or towing numbers. But my answer to that is, like, when has a Tundra ever really moved the needle for the full-size truck in terms of numbers or capability, right? Like, the Tundra's always been kind of right down the middle, but an incredibly long-lived, very durable, very dependable unit. And, of course, people are, like, pointing at the forums and being like, well, people had wastegate issues. And my answer to that is, like, a lot of it is um, – You've, you have a couple guys on the forums, right? That maybe experienced some wastegate issues. Does that mean that your truck's going to start blowing turbos and need the cab off often? No. I mean, who knows what the actual scope of these little these little issues could be. Um, so I, I agree. Tell it's me. important not to get too caught up in these anecdotal situations on the forums. It is keep in mind the largest automaker still, right? And Toyota prides itself on its quality. Ours has been perfect, in case you're wondering, in terms of quality. And uh, just a lovely thing to drive around. And we're not being paid by Toyota. I do think the styling's a little weird. Um, and I do think that the user profiles on the screen is not very well implemented. But the interior is beautiful. The, the seats are pretty good. The cab is well insulated. The engine has plenty of power. I really like that twin turbo. Um, it, it's got good off-road capability with the TRD off-road package. Um, it's a it's a really solid entry. Yeah, and we're
2: going to be doing a really fun video series with it. Uh, we just drove it. One of our guys, Grant, uh, just drove it to California, or is driving it to California today. Uh, we're picking up a Black Series uh, camper. Oh yeah, that'll be cool. And we're going to yeah. tow it. So we're going to see how it does as a cross country towing rig, towing a pretty heavy camper. I want to say that camper is like seven thousand out of the box. Uh, and so when you fill it up with the water and stuff and gear, it, it's going to start maxing out that tundra. So I'm super excited to not only uh, test out the camper, but test out the Toyota as a, as a, you know, a cross country tow rig. So be sure to stay tuned for that. A lot of fun stuff coming uh, as soon as we can obviously pick up the camper and do some videos uh, and edit videos and you know do the stuff we usually do. All right, let's go back to cars, Tommy. Yeah. Sorry, Andre. I apologize. I won't step on your toes anymore. Uh, the other one that I, I think is actually surprisingly great. Um, And we bought it uh, and then sold it to our videographer um, is the Subaru Crosstrek. I I really, we bought the base car, which was 23,500 when you could still get them earlier this year, earlier last year. Uh, And uh, I was really impressed just by how uh, it did everything really well if it wasn't for the CVT and i know there's a manual but the manual is even worse than the CVT i would i would have <laughs> totally been in love with it why car. is it worse than the CVT it's, it's the spongiest most uh oh. most like anemic manual you can you can buy it actually the CVT in the case of that little 2 liter there's a 2 liter and a 2.5 right Right. Um, makes it more drivable than the which is quite the trick subaru and i it's kind of a back i'm being backward compliment. but if you if you um, want a really good all wheel drive car that has a lot of room uh, and uh, has just very practical, uh, down to earth, common sense kind of uh, off roadiness. Uh, I think that you can't do better than a Cross Track.
0: I liked it too. I thought the use of space on the inside was really very, smart. Yeah, easy to, to get blazing in and out of. Pretty small on the outside, but super big on the inside. The, we had just a basic infotainment screen, worked perfectly. You know, you could hook up your phone to it. Um, it was well-made for the most part. It felt really well-screwed together. The seats were pretty good, even the basic cloth seats. I really enjoyed driving it. I thought it was, I mean, it's boring to drive, right? It's not quick. It's not particularly dynamic, but it's a solid, comfortable vehicle. It had the um, eyesight system, right? Yeah, with every, the every super,
2: all the Japanese, of it course, are, are, are doing standard safety tech. The, the one thing, you guys, if you're listening, that I don't understand is why do you keep Blind side monitoring is a premium one that doesn't get included. I think that's a huge thing, especially for me, because I tend to have a hard time with that for some reason. So I love cars that have blind spot monitoring, uh, and it's somehow like it's not included in the basic safety tech. Right there's autonomous braking. Now there's the. Uh, <coughs> lane centering, right? Cruise control, yada, yada, yada. But for some reason, blind spot monitoring is never part of that package. So I've got another small crossover, which I thought was really good.
0: What is that, Tommy? The Chevy Trailblazer. So the yeah, old. Tra- I, I have no experience with that. The old Trailblazer was this big lumbering thing with the straight six or the V8 engine, right? In three rows. And it was. Not the Blazer, the Trailblazer. The Trailblazer, yeah. It's like not the Bronco, the Spor- Bronco Sport, not the Blazer, the Trailblazer. But the old Trailblazer was huge. It was right. this enormous family thing. Uh, The new one is this uh, little itty-bitty crossover. It's very angular. It's got these funky lights on it and these weird creases and these funky wheels. And um, uh, it's got a three-cylinder engine. I think it's built in Korea. But lovely, lovely, lovely little vehicle. This is another vehicle that's kind of hard to explain on paper. But I spent a few days with it. I even took it off-road. And it was surprisingly great off-road in the active trim. It had a little skid plate and these little off-roady tires. I loved it. I mean, it was um, nice on the inside. It was kind of sporty to drive, a little turbocharged engine spooled up nicely and zipped along fantastic vehicle that i think a lot of people overlook now the full-size blazer that's a whole nother story that one i think is a missed opportunity it should have been a bronco competitor but the trailblazer for what it is it's a good little vehicle all right i'm gonna keep going uh, i think that
2: uh, once again we're gonna go back to the koreans because both hyundai and kia are knocking out of the ballpark Pretty much in every car they built. I think, you know, another car that I don't want to talk about because obviously people know that how great this one is, is uh, the Telluride or the Palisade, right? Yep. Those two are Ooh, yeah, are, yeah are known. But the ones that I think are still under the radar a little bit are the N versions. There's three of them now, right? There's a Kona, the Elantra, and the one I think, actually, sorry, Veloster, Elantra, and the one I love is a Kona because that's a little crossover that they turned into basically a hot hatch crossover where uh, this is an interesting uh market segment that I'm glad that they're exploring.
0: Yeah, phenomenal, right? Right. And even, like I was just talking to Paul, a race car driver, and he is very critical about vehicle dynamics. He, He is really finely tuned into how a vehicle performs and its pros and cons and um, he usually hates SUVs and crossovers on the track, but he came off of that program with the Elantra N, which is a car, and the Kona N, which is a crossover, and he preferred the Kona. He said it was such a well-dampened, uh, well-calibrated vehicle. He fell in love with the Kona, so I really am impressed by that. So uh, big props with them. Also, honorable shout-out, my grandma just bought a Venue, which is this itty bitty little Hyundai. I mean, it's like the little square one. Um, I think it starts at like 16 or 17 grand or something. Fantastic vehicle, front wheel drive, tiny engine, little CVT, but it's it's like my Cyan XP. Same thing, holds a lot of stuff, dirt cheap to run, great warranty and i gotta say i'm I'm kind of really into cars where
2: it's not all screens i'm getting really tired of touch screens because everybody seems to have gone to the q system which was the world's worst infotainment system the cadillac engineered what was that like eight years ago and we we just laughed at it and now people are turning to it and it's terrifying so i love cars that actually have real buttons there's just some things that you know are much easier to control, like HVAC stuff, right? Why do you have to like switch screens, find the right uh, you know, component of it before you can like turn up your heat or turn down your air conditioning? It's just much nicer to have a feel, real button that does that.
0: Yeah, um, so another vehicle I think is surprisingly good, which is often overlooked. Yeah. Uh, we bought it long-term, but the Mini Cooper SE, so the, this is the, the, the tiny mini,
2: I think that's the definition of surprisingly great.
0: Yeah, and it's it's basically what they did is they took the gasoline Mini, they tore out the engine, and then they took all the stuff from the old i3, right, and they just plopped it in there. So the old BMW stuff with the battery and all the, the motors and stuff. But it, it's a great car. It only goes about 114 miles on a single charge. Starts at 30K. You can get the $7,500 tax credit for it. Super fun to drive, beautiful interior. You can get some incredible colors. You can get a three-tone roof where they paint. I think they're the only ones
2: that do a three-tone yeah. roof.
0: Yeah, I was talking to um, one of the, the, the product guys about that. And they're like, well, yeah, it's very hard to paint three different colors on one roof panel. And it's not a wrap. It's actually paint. Um, but it's a really very cool car. Yeah, that might that might be
2: one that I actually might buy personally. So the company owns it right now. And we have this deal here where if the company buys it, and then we go to sell it. Any of the employees can buy it at whatever cost that we bought it for. Uh, and that's actually—you might think that that is not a great deal, but given the way that we buy cars and we get them at either MSRP or below, it tends to be a really good deal. Uh, and so that one might be one that is so, it's so—it's so good that I personally may want to hold on to that one. Uh, very few cars, you know, uh, we're not in the business of collecting cars; uh, we're in the business of reviewing cars. But that might be one uh, that uh, I might want to hold on to. Uh, once again, I think uh, came out of left field, right? Nobody saw it coming, uh, and so uh, I think Mini does 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 probably not a good enough job of promoting that, of of saying how good it is, uh, and that's unfortunate because it, it takes Mini back to what Mini should be, which is, uh, you know, a grown-up version of a go-kart.
0: Yeah, I think the gas ones are kind of, especially if you look at like the Cooper S, you can get them in like. 37, dollars $39,000, and then they don't perform as well as, like, a Golf GTI, and then your question is, like, why not get a Kona in or a, something like that? But the Cooper SE is kind of in a class of its own. It's pretty affordable for an electric car, and it's lovely, lovely, lovely to drive. So the next vehicle on our list, on the opposite end of the spectrum, but um, the Jeep Wrangler is not really surprising. But what is surprising is I recently bought that base model. Yeah, you bought the Willis. No, you bought the uh, – what did you buy? It's the um, – I can't think of it now. It's called the Willys Sport. Yeah, the Willys Sport. So it's like full-on bare bones, but it's got some cool tires and, and the rock rails and that kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, it's got no power windows. It's got no power mirrors, no power locks. Yeah, it doesn't have heated seats. It's, it's crazy, like, how everybody wants – and I'm not sure this is happening. I
2: think, I think Ford learned this lesson, and so they came out with – a bunch of different model designations that jeep basically has right the basic one then they have a sahara and then they have a renegade and for some reason everybody in the wrangler wants the um, rubicon sorry so they have a basic sahara rubicon uh, right and they all everybody wants that rubicon uh, and the fact is you don't need the rubicon because out of the box base wrangler is more competent than 99 percent of any car on the road So
0: how does this... If you look at what Ford did with the Bronco... Off-road, at least. Ford perfectly matched the uh, Wrangler trim line. It's like base is sport. And then there's uh, Big Bend is sport S. And then uh, what, what Black Diamond is Willys. And Outer Banks is Sahara. So they like perfectly matched them up. Which I think is smart, but you think so?
2: You think that's how? You
0: think that's oh, what they did? oh yes, yeah.
2: I, I'm not sure about that. Oh, I, Dad, no, it, it's no, like you can see well, it. Option for well, option is the other problem. There is that that Jeep has done so many different versions that even even if you take like the six trim levels of the Bronco. If you look over the last, let's say two year, even two years, right? There have been so many different trim levels: the Islander, the Black Dragon, uh, the Call of Duty, and I'm just thinking of these <laughs> at the top of my head, right? All these special. So I, I think Jeep has completely muddied the water in terms of you know you, you do just, have
0: to you have to cut through the 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 chaff a little bit because like uh what like they've got a model called the. I think it's called the High Altitude or something. And the High Altitude is just a Sport S with different wheels. Like an Islander was a Sport with different wheels and some stickers. Right, but it really confused and muddied the water. But Uh, if you look at, like, the main trim lines, you got Sport, Sport S, Willys, Sahara, Rubicon. I I, I completely disagree with you. I
2: think, like I was talking to this guy yesterday, right, he was looking for a Badlands version for his mom, That's a Rubicon. Right? Yeah. Right, but… well, and then you have the
0: Sasquatch package on top of that. Sasquatch does get a little different, yeah. Right. yeah well, you, but you, now you've got the extreme recon though to combat the Sasquatch package.
2: But, but you see what I'm saying? Like he knew exactly what what he wanted. Whereas if you walk into a Jeep dealership for the longest time, you'd be like, "Oh, there's the Jeep. Oh, there's that's the Black Dragon, and that's the uh, what's was it was a Big Bear, right? Or was the Bear one?
0: Uh, Black Bear." You see what I remember. I was saying? There was
2: like the black bear, and they all had like, oh, the black bear is the only one that's a base one that gets you a locking rear diff. It got very
0: confusing. Yeah. Well, first of all, you the thing about the Jeep special editions yeah. is like for the most part, for the vast most part, stuff about Wranglers. Yeah, one. Wranglers. Mm-hmm. Stuff like locking rear diffs. You couldn't get on any of the special editions. Like, if you get an Islander, it's some stickers.
2: Except for that one. That was the only way you could get, the Locking Re-Dip. There was, like,
0: one where you could do some, like, it, it was, stuff. It was the Black Bear. I think it was the Black Bear. I don't remember what it was called. But, Dad, think about how many special editions you got. Oscar Mike, Black Dragon, um, Islander, Altitude, High Altitude, right? They're all just trims oh, there and wheels. Oh, was, there was the one, uh, like,
2: the for, the Frost one. What was the one?
0: Oh, um, there was uh, the wintry one. W- wintry one, yeah. Uh, yeah, but they're just they're stickers and trims and stickers and colors and wheels. But you see
2: what I'm saying? that muddied the water and so i think i think people actually understand the trim levels ford has been much more um yeah that's a good point yeah
0: and then now there's like the ultra luxury jeep i don't remember what that one's called where it's got 20 inch wheels and color match bumpers and whatever so yeah ford is but you think they're going to come out with their own special editions i mean they're already coming out with the um snorkelly one what's that called
2: yeah, what is the snorkeling one called um, actually, um everglades everglades the yeah. one with the snorkel and now and there's the... a raptor version of. and now it. there's a raptor, raptor right
0: and then there's a wild track which is uh, i think
2: raptor may become like prius it's going to become its own brand that's that's the way oh, it's heading okay. you see what i'm saying so yeah. it'll be like a raptor f-150 a what raptor about a raptor blend. ranger
0: is there gonna be a raptor ranger There could it be probably yeah. would make yeah. sense to yeah have a raptor so raptor. it's gonna be like prius where it's its own sub-brand so anyways um we're going with this the jeep wrangler base model with none of the options has been very good to live with. I thought I'd miss the heated seats and the heated steering wheel and the power mirrors, but, like, you don't need any of that stuff on a daily basis. Power locks would be good because I I do get kind of tired of having to lock the doors manually with the key or reaching over to unlock the doors, right? But power windows, don't miss them at all. Uh, The big screen, the big radio, don't miss it at all. I still have Bluetooth. Um, The fancy gauges, don't miss any of that. I mean, it's amazing how much money you spend on stuff. We really don't need to spend that much money and still have a usable, livable vehicle
2: yeah i agree uh and uh um you know looking from a 2022 uh, February perspective. You paid how much for that?
0: Uh, the MSRP was thirty three, and I paid thirty one.
2: Yeah, it seems like just one hell of a bargain. <laughs>
0: but that was high to COVID too. That right.
2: was like right. one hell. I mean, just less than a year ago. You, it's been six months, right, since you bought it.
0: Yeah, I think I got it in. Yeah. I ordered it in April of twenty one, yeah. and then I took delivery in like June. Right
2: now, right now, people would be like clawing at the dealership windows I know. to, to yeah, buy it's that. So sad. And we find, we actually got two of them, right? Because you ordered a base one. It's hilarious You order well, the base one, and then and then, 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 and Jeep,
0: then, then Jeep's… Uh, and then and then someone at Jeep was like, ah, you may want to actually get this one. Well, if who you're, was someone?
2: Come on. say who. Don't just say someone. If you're well, say the it. head
0: of Jeep got a hold of my order.
2: Mr. Morrison, yeah. Yeah, and then there was out. a meeting
0: that was held, and then someone reached out and said, um, excuse me, Tommy, the head of Jeep thinks that you should probably buy the, uh, the off-roady one. And then I was like, okay, um, I didn't want to really spend much more money, but it turned out to be worth and, it. And so
2: the, the, we usually people ask us what rec- dealership do you recommend, and we buy ours at Johnson's Auto Plaza. Uh, yeah, but
0: uh, in that era, you could get a slight deal on them too. So MSRP was 33, and I think I I, I bought mine for 31, and then with taxes it, it was 35. Anyway, you got the, they they delivered the base one. First. Well, I told and them I, I I told them to cancel the base one because Johnson's was worried that they would be stuck with the stripper. Th- that's where I'm going with this. Steel wheels. I mean, the one I initially ordered was like. Full rental cars back. I mean, it was steel wheels, street tires, uh, nothing on it except for air conditioning.
2: But the irony here is that Johnson's was like, oh, my God, we're, we've well, got Ryan this. Well, Ryan was
0: really worried about selling it. He's like, who's going to buy this? Yeah, now he
2: who's could, this and, bean can? Yeah, now if he had 20 of them, they'd be gone like that. You he know? did actually sell that one, though. Of course he sold it.
0: Someone someone in the Colorado area has a red Wrangler that says Thomas Micah on the window yeah, sticker.
2: Yeah, because it, it says when you order custom <laughs> order, it says, it says your name. So whoever got it here in Colorado, congratulations. Uh, smart buy, you you were smart. You can probably flip that thing for at least 5 k more than you paid. But, for. like,
0: buying the base model, everyone thinks they want a base model. Yeah. But Brian is like, people want power windows, they want a hard top. No one in Colorado wants a soft top. So he's worried about selling it, and he sold it pretty quickly.
2: Well, guys, those are just some of the surprisingly great cars that we've driven. Uh, there's a bunch of honorable mentions. Uh, I'll go into a, a couple of them really quick. I really love the new S Class. Yep, very uh, good. I could be, it could be because I'm getting old and comfortable and <laughs> love luxury. Uh, but I was really surprised by that. That was one that that I was really sorry to see go.
0: Uh, How about you, any others? Um, yeah, I like the BMW 3 Series plug-in hybrid. Yeah, I thought that, that was, was pretty really cool. good. Yeah, pretty cool, yeah. Uh, the TLX, I think, is actually really good. Yeah, Acura, yeah, um, the TLX was really good. It, yeah. should have, it definitely included that on, on the main list. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch more, but we're running out of
2: time. Uh, so if there's any cars that you guys uh, think we've missed or that you've bought and you were like, wow, this turned out to be surprisingly great or <laughs> surprisingly, surprisingly bad, bad. <laughs> let us know in the comments below. Maybe we'll do the flip side of the coin on the next podcast. Uh, thank you for spending, what, about an hour with myself and Tommy. Uh, Tommy, I know you've got a lot more meetings to go to. It's been crazy this week as you're trying to get caught up with everything. But we've got some really great videos. And hopefully you understand. Uh, you've got a preview of what's coming. I can't wait to uh, publish that. Uh, um, uh, Tug of War. Tug of War. Yeah, that was oh, yeah. cool. Because CarWow did one and it got me really excited to do our own version of it. And I think since we had access to cars and trucks that they don't have and now a place to do it. We thought,
0: why not? Yeah, for sure. So we'll be sure to keep you in the loop on all that, but be sure to stay tuned for another TFL Talk podcast. And finally, thank you to all of our Patreons. Oh, um, yep. You guys make this is possible. Is it
2: patrons or Patreons? I don't know. It's the website's Patreon, man. but I the... Don't.
0: Is it a patron? Is it a patron? I think I it's know. a patron. I don't know. And all of patron. our supporters, fans. Thank you, yeah.
2: <laughs> super fans, you guys are the best. See you next time. Ciao.